0: BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. A new report this week measures BC's relative prosperity in the wider world among 21 jurisdictions and it identifies our strengths and weaknesses across a series of indicators to produce what it calls a prosperity index. It's a fascinating report commissioned by the Business Council of BC from the Ottawa-based Centre for the Study of Living Standards to talk about it. Today, we're joined by Greg Davignon. He's the president and CEO of the Business Council and Ken Peacock the council's vice president and chief economist. Good to have you both with us.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Kurt. Le-
0: uh, Greg, let's uh, first of all grapple with, uh, with what defines prosperity. Give us a sense of the range of indicators here in the mix.
1: Well, certainly. Uh, I think to back up, one of the things that we're finding uh, both in the business community and I think all of us sent to, at the kitchen table is that we're just at the start of this rapid era of accelerated change and transformation. It's, uh, we're seeing demographic change, technology change, climate change, geopolitical uncertainty, and it's really leading to a whole raft of both real and perceived anxieties. Uh, lack of clarity around where the future is going to be. You know, If you work in a sawmill in the interior of British Columbia, are not certain around where those generational businesses will be or if you're uh, starting your career uh, with a great deal of education and optimism, where the pathway is for your career. So prosperity sometimes uh, is in the eye of the beholder, but what we're finding, generally speaking, is that the best measure at the individual and the corporate level is productivity and productivity Mm -hmm. per capita. And Ken can talk to that, but what we've been seeing globally is that in a technologically transformational uh, environment we're living in today, that fourth industrial revolution, is that we're becoming more efficient. But in the case of British Columbia and Canada, our productivity is actually declining at a more precipitous rate than other jurisdictions. In fact, we're an outlier. And so what's happened is we've got this paradox. We've had an economy in BC that's grown. uh, We've been leading North America for three of the last five years. But people aren't feeling it at home. And so there was always that premise growing up that you'd be better off than your parents. And that was because productivity per capita was growing at about two percentage points or higher. So at every 33 years on average, you were doubling income. Today, from uh, the last seven to 10 years, we've seen growth at below 0.5%. And what that means is that it now takes 139 years to double income per capita. Wow. So, my my kids that are 20, uh, it's their great-grandchildren that will finally double incomes. So, yeah. it's real statistically, but it's because we're not investing in productivity enhancing capital. We're not uh, facilitating a competitive economy. And also, uh, we've got an aging demographic that changes some of those characteristics of how we compete and how we attract talent to the marketplace. Hmm. So the context of all that is we wanted to have a level-set measure figure out where we're at and how we can create both individual societal and business uh, pro- prosperity and, and measure that effectively.
0: Ken, that's, that's a lot to kind of work with, uh, obviously, in trying to, to measure. Um, tell us a bit about the range of measurement here, because it isn't all strictly on an economic basis either.
2: No, no, exactly. Kurt. In developing the index, which, by the way, we spent a year on and, as you noted, uh, worked with Dr. Andrew Sharp to do so. And uh, in that process and the development of the index, we thought we needed to take a holistic perspective. Um, so you correctly identified the there's an overall prosperity index measure uh, in which we rank 11 among, 11th among the 21 jurisdictions, but there's also three sub-indexes that roll up to make that overall index, and we chose to look at the business environment, which Greg was just alluding to, but we also thought it was important to look at economic well-being, and that's more at the individual and household level, Mm-hmm. And then there's also a third domain um, that we call societal well-being. And that's sort of um, a sense of how society overall is doing. And some of the indicators in that societal well-being domain or bucket are things like life expectancy and poverty rate um, and income inequality. So that gets gives us a sense of how kind of society is doing and how BC is doing vis-a-vis these other jurisdictions that we selected.
0: When you take a look at all those uh, indicators, are are they all of essentially equal value when you finally get to a rating?
2: Precisely. So rather than trying to um, say this, this indicator is more important than that indicator and providing some weight, we just opted to go equal weighting for all 12 indicators. So, I I mean, in developing these indexes, some people chose to choose, some organizations choose to go that route where they'd go through statistical procedures and try and wait and try and determine expert advice and whatnot. But when we developed our index, uh, again, in consultation with Dr. Sharp, it was determined that probably, mostly for transparency, the best way to proceed was just transparency and some simplicity. The best way to proceed is just equal weighting of all indicators.
0: Mm. Greg... Ranking 11th out of 21, when you take a look at some of these jurisdictions, you're dealing with some economic powerhouses. Uh, it, should should finishing 11th uh, or ranking 11th uh, worry us?
1: Well, I think it's, it's a Canadian cultural phenomenon that if we're in the middle of the pack, we're probably doing okay. But the reality is we don't live in a world that's just okay anymore. Most of the world is pretty hungry. Um, and they're out competing, trying to attract the best talent, uh, trying to attract capital, and trying to, frankly, mirror some of the quality of life that we've been able to achieve in Canada. And I think we're resting on our laurels, frankly, as a country and as a province. We've taken mm-hmm. things for granted. But as I said at the outset, there's this underlying uh, anxiety that's out there. People are just worried about the future and it and the uncertainty it brings. And so. If you looked around the world and said um, uh, jurisdiction has outstanding educated talent, uh, population from around the world that gives you a really interesting global perspective, we've got natural assets that the world would die for, uh, we have proximity to the fastest growing markets in the world and also the largest market in the world, we have this outstanding environment that we enjoy. Um, we should be uh, aspiring to something much greater than mediocre. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, um, if you go back to the Olympics, there was a bunch of outrage around the old podium program, which how dare Canada set out to try to be the best. And <clears throat> while certainly being number one is important, um, this is about where are we today and how do we get better? And so in our perspective, we're lacking a cohesive plan around societal, personal, and business well-being and prosperity. So we need to start working together and more collaboratively. Um, We live in an age where it's too easy to blame somebody else. We live in an age where, through nativism and others, we're getting siloed and ghettoized. So part of this conversation, I think, is how do we start to, as a small open trading economy, start to work together and start to become more competitive to not just grow the quality of life we have, but frankly, to maintain the quality of life we enjoy and expect. Yeah.
0: Ken, uh, uh, in describing all of these great attributes, uh, as Greg has, um, what do you think these attributes are cloaking in the way of our weaknesses?
2: Um, can you clarify? So, what do you mean? Our, our attributes are cloaking, what, like well, holding us back. Is that where you are getting? Well,
0: at? you know, we've we've got all of these attributes: uh, uh, highly sure. educated, uh, great environment. Uh, you know, lots of lots of things that are very positive um, as as the uh, index measures. Where Where are our pain points here? What are What oh. are we really missing?
2: Sure. So, perhaps the best way to start to answer that question, is just give the listeners a a little sense of how we ranked in each of the three domains. Um, Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, the business environment domain, we ranked 15 of 21 jurisdictions. So that's a a weaker showing for certain. Um, In economic well-being, which is how individuals are doing from an economic perspective, we ranked 10th. That's right in the middle of the pack. But we did well in societal well-being. We were 7th of 21. And so, you know, back, back to your early question to Greg of why these jurisdictions and the, noting that they are relatively well off. Um, for the purposes of this index, we thought it would be better to look to relatively affluent countries rather than just picking ones that we could obviously be ranked ahead of, um, pick any number of less well off countries. Uh, so we were looking to identify peer countries. Um, so. With those rankings of the three individual domains, I think it's fair to say our weakest spot is, is certainly the business environment. And the four indicators in that business environment domain were labor productivity, um, investment, innovation, and education. And if we unpack those four indicators, uh, Greg talked about it earlier, our biggest area of weakness is labor productivity. Um, and then we don't do very well on investment and investment is measured as non-residential investment so machinery equipment and um, buildings that are non-residential buildings and these types of things capital investment undertaken mostly by the private sector, um, we we show poorly on that. So we have to look to ways to attract more investment uh, into the province, grow the economy and improve productivity. And the other one we did poorly on with innovation. And innovation is, is proxied by spending on research and development relative to the size of the economy. And we ranked 13th of 21 on that. So those sort of three key areas that kind of set the foundation for the business environment, we did not do very well on. Where we did score well on was in education. We ranked fourth out of 21. And this is because BC, we have high-quality post-secondary institutions. and That's well known. So our labor force and our education level is really, really high. But the problem is those other three domains where we rank quite poorly. And the gap between BC and and some other jurisdictions like the powerhouse uh, U- US states, you-, you noted a moment ago, uh, the gap between BC and those states in labor productivity is-, is quite large. So I think there's a lot of scope to sort of bear down and have policymakers say, what can we do to improve productivity uh, to help get us up the-, the rankings? And the other thing to think about productivity, and then I'll stop, is productivity has widespread impacts and benefits. It, it provides more money, uh, people do produce things more efficiently. It's how you get economic growth. Uh, it's one of the main drivers of economic growth, and this provides additional government revenue and ultimately supports that societal well-being domain that we currently do rank well in, and one of the things we're concerned about is not losing that that relatively good performance in the societal well-being domain.
0: Greg,
1: uh, one of the uh, it I seems – yeah, sorry, guess. go ahead. Yeah. Greg, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things I'd add to it, and I think your question is really insightful, and this is why this index is is really elegant, because there's so much interconnection between the three domains of business, personal well-being, and societal well-being. So we do really well on life expectancy, really well on education. Disposable income is pretty good, and all three of those things are in different domains, but they're all in the literature connected. If you've got a higher educated um, economy with people that have disposable income, you typically get better Health outcomes as well. But you touched on a really important point, I think. Uh, we talked about productivity and others, but Ken and, and our team here at the Business Council did some work about a year ago looking at the BC environment. And there are over 400,000 companies in British Columbia. But 98.2% of them have fewer than 50 employees. Yes. So we do really well at starting businesses, but we don't scale them. So when you look in the index, Washington State and California knock it out of the park on a bunch of the business environment and ultimately individual economic uh, data points. And it's because they're scaling big businesses. And so what we know through our research is that when you get larger firms, that 1.8% of the BC economy is that they pay up to 37% higher wages. They're also driving 85% of research and development uh, investment in the province which leads to innovations both incremental and larger technological innovations they're more likely to be involved in global supply chains and be competitive and exposed to competitive markets so they get better and more efficient and productivity to ken's point isn't just about working harder it's working smarter and creating more value for every hour you work and those firms are really good and that's why you see the amazon the Microsofts, and boeings and others coming into vancouver because there's a highly educated workforce it's a global talent that has a global perspective, but there aren't the companies here other than a few that are scaling and really utilizing that talent and maintaining it to mm. its highest and best order. So, One of the lessons for, for me on this is how do we unleash the entrepreneurism and the innovation and stop getting in the way of companies that can grow because there's a huge societal benefit. If you, We did some work with McKinsey a while ago that if you took the market cap of all the companies in British Columbia, particularly in the Vancouver marketplace, and compared them to peer jurisdictions like Cincinnati and San Diego and others of similar size, um, we're only a third the size of those jurisdictions in terms of head offices. If we just got to two-thirds, it would create $5 billion more of provincial revenue. It would create the equivalent of five more teluses. Think about that from a community philanthropic perspective, from a a career trajectory perspective from all of the clustered businesses that service those kinds of companies like Telus. So that you know, that's one learning for me is you know, if you scale businesses, that has a huge societal and economic personal well-being benefit.
0: Yeah, Ken, because it, it, it is kind of puzzling to me. We have a highly educated workforce that then doesn't seem to apply itself productively. So it is the is the key to solving this puzzle the notion of building um, building companies at scale.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's definitely part of it, uh, Kirk, because the larger companies are are more productive. Um, the literature is very clear on that. Uh, they can take advantages of economies of scale. Larger companies also are responsible for the vast majority of exports out of this province. Um, so so yes, that's one piece of it. But there, there's lots of factors that go into productivity, and, and educated workforce is absolutely one of them, uh, but it's not sufficient. Uh, you also need good institutions, you need a regulatory environment that isn't in the way, and impeding, and I mean, if, you, if you're thinking about productivity, uh, it's it's worth kind of Pondering the fact that any, any sort of land based project, greenfield land based project that tries to get underway here in BC is facing years and years of regulatory hurdles and, and processes and procedures. Um, so, streamlining that would help. Um, infrastructure is, is a big, big factor. Uh, here in the Lower Mainland, it's pretty clear that we are reaching congestion points that are absolutely hurting productivity. Uh, you cannot move around here. There's there's circumstances where I, I know people or have heard of stories of people in the construction business who are saying no to renovation projects because they're far away from their, where they're located and it's just not worth their time trying to get across the city. So uh, you can invest in um more infrastructure to help, and there's lots of different infrastructure it's not just transportation infrastructure um, and then the research and development component is also critical so there's many pieces to this labor productivity you know and it, even even down at the micro level um, firms just saying you know what can we do to improve our processes to become more efficient and and even individuals um you know it, it's there's this whole um, kind of mix of how things are done um, and in the productivity lit- literature and improving those processes can help advance productivity as well so
0: i, I want to ask uh, both of you uh, about this because uh, obviously when a report like this comes out people go oh it, you know the government in power is obviously making all these mistakes or is, is holding it back but this data gets us up to the end of 2017 when really the ndp had only recently assumed uh, uh, power in victoria and all of this i, w- I want to get uh, though a, a bit of a picture from both of you maybe some uh, speculation i guess on how you think things might have changed since the data uh, compiled for this report was uh, was produced what do you think greg well
1: I- I agree with you. I mean, it, we did a piece of work uh, this summer called the cumulative effects of doing business in DC, and this has been a long train coming over the last decade, not just in British Columbia but Canada generally. And Ken touched on some of the uncertainties from a business perspective, but. Um, where it would change going forward, I'll give you a good example. So under the economic well-being, this won't come as any surprise to people more mainland, but also through the province, with housing affordability, we're 18th out of, 21st, uh, out of the 21 jurisdictions, 18th out of 21. So it comes back to um, a big part of that is how do we have the transit and mobility infrastructure to be able to enable people to move? So I've got lots of people that work with me. They live in Maple Ridge. They've got childcare in Coquitlam, and they work downtown. Mm. And the time deprivation faced by young people—it's just—it it, it is a lifestyle inhibitor. But the end point—it's tough as an employer to get the talent you need to actually drive your business. We've got you know, record levels of unemployment. And so, you know, what's changed? Well, the unemployment rate has actually declined significantly since 2017 in this marketplace, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. So this should be a halcyon call for governments to think about how do we think about the region in the Lower Mainland uh, rather than in the 1971 context of Vancouver to Langley, uh, but from Pemberton to Hope and from the North Island to the South Island. And how do we connect people? How do we move talent? How do we move goods? How do we move information that's much more efficient? We did some analysis on it. And we've had really good transportation investments that happen about every 25 years. And they're always event-driven. One was coming out of the war, one was Expo, and one was the Olympics. And we've got to be much more holistic in our thinking around how we not only build the transit and transportation corridors, but also how do we densify around those so that young people that want an urban environment can be downtown in 15 or 20 minutes, not the two hours it now takes to get from Abbotsford. Hmm. So what's changed? We get 60,000 people a year more into British Columbia. Um, we're not keeping up with uh, the planning and infrastructure to be able to accommodate those. And we're not thinking holistically in what the future is going to be around uh, service and digital economy. And I think the call is not just government, but frankly, the private sector and and society as a whole to actually think about uh, medium-term uh, approaches and longer-term thinking around this, because right now we're caught up in a world today where politically everything is: what do I do for you this afternoon, and then move on to the next issue in another half an hour.
0: Yeah, Ken, so, let me give, let me give to... you the last word on that. Uh, on on what Okay, what yeah, has so changed,
2: I'll, yeah. I'll just jump in. The um, you're you're right. The the data just because it's extremely complex collecting this data across these jurisdictions, making sure it's consistent, whatnot. So there is some delay in getting data that is comprehensive and consistent across jurisdictions. Uh, So 2019 compared to 2017, in terms of the overall ranking, not not much will have changed. And I I say that for a couple of reasons. First of all, you've got 12 indicators. So we may see some improvement in some areas and we may see a little slippage in other areas. So overall ranking is probably not much different today than, than 2017. The other thing to consider is B.C. is not alone in wanting to improve its prosperity. These other jurisdictions are similarly investing in education, infrastructure, looking to ways to make their their jurisdiction more prosperous as well. So we are chasing a moving crowd, um, and so that's another reason or factor why I wouldn't expect 2019's performance to be a whole bunch different than 2017. So I, I'm very confident in the fact 2017 is a good snapshot. Of where we are currently at, and the other thing is you you kind of alluded to the the NDD. this one of the things we were absolutely um de- determined to to make certain that this is was in no way a political document this is just strictly fact based data uh, data driven this is kind of a snapshot of where we rank and where we stand. And there's no policy advice or policy prescriptions in the document at all. It's just simply kind of a, a launching point for a conversation that hopefully will lead us to uh, how we can do better and how we can improve our prosperity.
0: Let, let, let me conclude with both of you on this one too. Uh, obviously it's, it's a complex measurement. Um, no doubt. These are uh, very, very difficult issues, but did you discover – Along the way, in in this report, um, anything that you think, any one thing that might move the needle noticeably, Greg.
1: That's a great. That's a great question. Uh, to Ken's point, you know, everyone's chasing higher prosperity and acting, and and so you're chasing a moving target. For me, the the big opportunity is. Uh, for us to really focus around how we can improve our productivity. And what that means is how do we create an environment for capital to have confidence to be invested in businesses and in projects? How do we make sure we're educating the workforce for the talent and skill sets we need? And how do we make sure we've got a regulatory environment that takes uncertainty away and looks to outcomes rather than process? You know, we're 38th of the 39 OECD countries in the time it takes to get a building permit. I think we're just ahead of Estonia. (laughs) So we've got a lot of work we can do. Um, But the context is that people expect a quality of life uh, that's driven by economic activity. And uh, if we don't start to, as a country and as a province, start to turn our attention this whole productivity issue, which isn't working longer uh, or harder, it's working smarter. Uh, right. I think we're going to find ourselves in a difficult circumstance in the next ten years.
0: Yeah, Ken, uh, I'll give you the last uh, chance to sure, talk sure. about you, talk you about know, something that might
2: move the needle. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, when I it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of mixed. When we first compiled this and, and got the results from from Doctor Sharp. I was a little bit surprised, but not surprised. I sort of expected BC to have a middle ranking, but I was somewhat surprised at how well we did in the societal well-being domain, mm-hmm. and a little bit surprised that we were as weak as we were in the business environment domain, although although on that one, le- less so. So I kind of stepped back and, and look at this overall index and say, you know what, we need to protect our position in the societal well-being domain. And I believe the way to protect that is to make us more effective, more productive, more efficient, uh, a jurisdiction where people want to invest and grow companies and a jurisdiction where you can get a, a project uh, up and running within a reasonable amount of time. That doesn't mean doing away with regulatory processes or, any, or anything, but there's got to be a way to stream, streamline and improve what's happening and, and the situation currently here in British Columbia. and. Um, I, I I just think that there, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, yeah, and I, I think that, that that's sort of what emerges from this whole
1: process for me. Yeah. One thing, Kirk, that we're going to be doing with this, just to be quick on, on Ken's point, is this is a platform of data that we can start from, as we said earlier. So we're going to be pulling best practices and, and uh, ideas and and. Uh, regulations and circumstances that other jurisdictions are using around the world and see if they can apply to BC and then try and convene people together to say look how do we move our number up so this is a collaborative exercise based on uh, taking some risk being innovative and also taking a look at what other people are doing and succeeding and some of that success is actually right under our nose here in British Columbia we just don't celebrate it and or we don't amplify it enough So we're going to try and pull those good ideas in and really get people working towards how we actually have a better outcome for for BC and and people in BC combined.
0: Well, in reading the report, it's it's made a a really valuable contribution, I think, to the conversation about this one. I I want to thank both of you for your time today, and and, uh, we'll obviously keep track of how the council uh, pursues this and applies it. Um, in some of its uh, some of its education of the public and all this, I want to thank you both, uh, Greg Davignon and Ken Peacock of the Business Council of BC.
1: Thanks for having us on. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to BIV today. I'm Kirk LePoint. We'll see you next time.